This is Women in STEM Career and Confidence, the podcast for scientific and professional women who want to restore confidence, make meaningful impact, and balance the things and people that mean most to them. I'm Dr. Hannah Roberts, and I'll be sharing with you insights and inspiration into the mindset and skill set to help you navigate your career and lead powerfully. Welcome to the show today, everybody. And you are in for a treat because we have Kiana Cave on the show today. She is 23 years old, the founder and CEO of Sublimer Pharmaceuticals, and it's a startup. And she's taking the concept of a non-hormonal birth control pill all the way from concept through clinical trials and hopefully to market in the next three years. She's going to be talking about what a non-hormonal birth control pill is and why it's an important alternative, how she wants to change the face of women's health, and also what leadership lessons all of her experiences to date can offer us. Can't wait for you to hear this one, so let's dig in. So we're really excited on the show today to have Kiana Cave. And just as we're getting started, I would love it if you could introduce yourselves. Um, thank you so much. I'm really excited um, to be talking to you. I'm Kiana. Um, I'm 23 years old and I'm a self-proclaimed mad scientist. Um, I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana, and naturally a lot of people were definitely focused on the BP oil spill that happened along the Gulf of Mexico. Um, and that was something I studied pretty heavily um, in high school. I brought that project with me to college and then it turned into um, an oil dispersant and like an invention and a patent. Um, and all of these really exciting things came from it. Um, and I was really able to like establish myself as like a female inventor and a scientist. Um, and now I'm on to my second project, which is a non-hormonal birth control pill. This is really interesting, actually, because I remember the oil spill and hearing about it all on the news and all the birds that they were saving. So that's really what led you to want to study science in the first place, the natural disaster that happened on your doorstep. Definitely. It was, it started off as like a curiosity for me. And then that evolved into like really finding out that I wasn't just curious about it. I also really loved being in the lab and developing like experiments um, and using scientific tools and methods to like find solutions to big problems. Wow, that's pretty cool. So you have done that and you had your first project and I'm assuming that you have been through all of your studies before you got to the point of um, this new company. So tell me a little bit about the company that you're part of at the moment. Um, just a correction there. I actually um, left college to work on this second project. Oh, wow. Um, after my first project uh, was acquired, I was able to do school for another year before realizing that I was also really passionate about the birth control. So um, I was a junior. I still can go back if I want to, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I think that's a really great point to make, actually, because there's a lot of emphasis on people having to do this prescriptive studies to be able to get somewhere. But actually, if you find something that you're really passionate about and you can follow that and maybe learn as you go along, 
it's not always that necessary, you know, not always needed to do the study part. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So tell me, what on earth is a non-hormonal birth control pill? So first, how familiar are you with like hormonal birth control and the different current birth control options? Um, hmm. So personally, I know that there's a progesterone only pill and then there is the estrogen combo, progesterone combo pill. And that's pretty much all I know. <laughs> you actually, knowing the names of like, those, those pills is actually more than like the average person knows. So that's really cool. Um, but basically, so yeah, you have the estrogen and progesterone pill, and then you have the progesterone only pill. Um, essentially what these are, are, in, are synthetic hormones. And when you ingest them, the body is essentially processing those as your naturally produced hormone. So the body shuts down its production of estrogen and progesterone, which are the hormones that we need to function properly. Um, and when that happens, obviously the dosage of estrogen in the pill isn't actually enough to sustain us. Um, and what ends up happening is you have all of these really weird side effects, like kind of similar to somebody entering menopause, if that makes sense. Um, wow, <laughs> that really does make sense actually. And yeah. what kind of, so is that similar to like a perimenopause? Like yeah. Yeah, um, I know this wasn't really your original question, but one of the reasons that I started working on this was because I was on the pill um, from a pretty young age and no one had really informed me about like what the potential risks and side effects were and what would actually be like happening to my body. And so when I started experiencing these side effects years after starting the pill, um, I did my own research and I read literally hundreds of like scientific papers about what was actually happening to the body on birth control. Um, and then there are also several books um, about this, like Your Body on Birth Control, or sorry, Your Brain on Birth Control by Sarah Hill. Um, and they really go into depth, like ex explaining what's happening. And so essentially I got, I got really sick and I, I ran blood tests and all of that. And they found that my blood levels were comparable to a woman entering menopause. And I was, I was just about to turn 20. So it wow. was extremely alarming. Um, and luckily I went back to normal once I went off of the pill and, you know, started leading like a healthier lifestyle. Um, but it did take some work and out of that frustration, Sublima was born. Um, and I wanted to develop a non-hormonal pill option because the current options on the market, like there is the hormonal pill, obviously some women are pretty sensitive to it, like I was. And if that's not an option for you, then you have condoms, which aren't always the most effective. And they're also pretty expensive for a lot of people. Um, and then you have things like the Paragard IUD, which again, expensive. Um, and a little too invasive for some people. So having an oral option um, that is also affordable, effective, um, and easy to take uh, was the route that I decided to go. Wow, I think that's, um, it's so amazing that you took your own experience and decided there's nothing out there for me. 
So I'm going to create something that's beneficial for me and all the other women on the planet as well. Can you tell me a little bit about what kind of symptoms you did get from, from taking the hormonal pill? Um, yeah, so it's really weird because I started taking it when I was 16 and I felt totally fine. Like aside from the occasional nausea, which I just figured was normal. Um, it wasn't really until I was like 19, like about to turn 20 that I started feeling well, for one, I had gained weight like pretty rapidly, um, almost like at an alarming rate. Um, and I started breaking out in acne when I never really had acne before. I had incredible mood swings. Um, the list just really goes on. But yeah, so I, I felt like I was dying. And I had seen like four doctors before one of them even considered that it could be the birth control, which um, has says a lot about the medical system in the US. I'm not sure how it is in the UK, but it's probably a little better. I, I don't know. I think it's, it's pretty much the same because if the GPs are not a specialist in that particular topic, then they're not always taught to look in those kind of places. It's almost like you have to be your own doctor these days. Mm-hmm. Just in my opinion, kind of have to be um an advocate for your own health care in a way yeah so this is really interesting because I turned 40 this year so I guess I am perimenopausal even though I'm still cycling for however long in the future so I've got all this to come you just told me I'm gonna feel like I'm nearly dying <laughs> no I didn't mean to freak you out <laughs> no you raise a great point though because um at schools here in the UK, we get taught about periods and we get taught in high school about birth control and that kind of all the options and safe sex. We don't get taught about giving birth. That's kind of something that happens as you go along when you get pregnant. Right. There is nothing to do with perimenopause or menopause. Where are we supposed to get this information? It's not like it's sent to you or there's a system right. for it. It's something you've got to kind of at the moment figure out for yourself so that's super interesting and um me personally I was on the combo pill for ages until we started having children and then in between children I'd go on the progesterone only pill that seemed a bit better actually and then I just went no I'm not doing it anymore (laughs) so um, a particular reason that you decided to stop completely I just had enough of messing with the hormones because when you are having a baby and you don't have all of that stuff in the system and you realize what a difference you feel when it's a natural hormonal sort of thing happening to you, you notice that there is a massive change in yourself. And also in, like you said, your thoughts, your behaviors, it makes a huge, huge difference. And I thought, actually, I went to experience my cycles as they are but also I've noticed that there's quite a power in the natural cycle you know being able to harness the start of um, a new cycle having superhuman energy and strength and get up and go and having that sort of ovulation phase of everything being good with the world and then blissing out on progesterone for a week before I get into what I call drama queen mode two days before my period when all the hormones drop off the charts it's the end of the world but I'm very good for organizing and systematizing everything for two days. (laughs) So if it's not going to be hormonal, this pill, 
And how is it effective in, as a birth control method? What is it? So essentially, um, instead of shutting down our natural production of hormones using synthetic hormones, what we're actually doing is delaying ovulation. So obviously we have different like points in our cycle. Um, and essentially we would be ovulating at a point in our cycle where even if we were to drop an egg, it would be an inhospitable environment for that egg to be fertilized um, and then eventually implanted. So we're avoiding the process of having to shut down our ovulation entirely, which was my biggest goal there. Okay, I think I'm just checking in. I think I get this. So say you're ovulating around days 12 to 14, instead of ovulating at that phase where the insides of your womb are ripe for implantation, you're delaying it till later in the phase. How, I mean, how many days later are you delaying it by? Um, so it would actually happen around the middle of our cycle. So uh, day 12 to 14. Oh, the, the delay? Yeah. Ah, okay. Okay, I think I get you. So my question then is, how effective is it? So this is a drug that has actually existed in India for the past, I used to say 20 years. Now it's been 22 because I've been working on it for two years. Mm -hmm. um, but they have actually found that it is still 99% effective um, and it is comparable to the current uh, hormonal pills on the market. So obviously we are running our own clinical trials in the US. Um, we're actually in phase two, but we obviously have to go through this entire process and we will have our own numbers as to like the efficacy um, of the drug, but it will be estimated to be like somewhere in the range of the current hormonal pills. Yeah, that's good to know. And is there any sort of downside for somebody delaying that egg release? How will that actually um, affect a woman's body and system? Um, so far, we, as far as side effects are concerned, um, which is our, our main focus, there haven't really been any major recorded side effects. Um, so we definitely are doing more research into like what the overall effects are and making sure that this is still like a safe way to uh, a safe contraceptive. But yeah, as of right now, it, it's definitely um, a safe for option than the hormonal pill. Good, thank you for that. And in terms of your position within Sublime Pharmaceuticals, what's your role there? Um, I am the founder and the CEO. And you're 23? Wowzers. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, I, it's exciting. Um, it's not something I think about like in the day to day, I guess, because usually I feel like a pretty normal like 23 year old that like has a job and then still has like a life outside of the job and and all of that so good that's good to hear that it's not something that's consuming the whole of you that you still have time to be um a whole person inside and both outside of work too so 
what is your vision then for Sublima Pharmaceuticals with this hormonal, non-hormonal pill? Um, I definitely hope to spread awareness about um, hormones and about birth control in general, because I noticed you said that like when you were growing up in the UK, they educated you about at least birth control um, and the cycle. And I've talked to thousands of women here in the US who have said that there was little to no education. I personally remember being in third grade and there was like one um, day where my teacher like pulled all of the girls into one room and all the guys in one room and we talked about our bodies and then that was it. Like there was nothing beyond that one day. Um, wow. And we never really got beyond the topic of like, okay, your like your boobs might start to get sore, like you're hitting puberty and like that was it. And it was a really <laughs> underwhelming um, educational experience. Goodness, totally prepared for life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so um, I definitely hope for there to be um, like more accessible education, like about women's health and the body. And then with, with a particular focus on hormones, um, because that's what I care a lot about. Um, and then I would also like for the, hor the, the pill in general to be more accessible. Um, I know that like, there are a lot of pain points as far as like contraceptives, especially for young women, whether it be like them not being able to talk to their parents um, or being on their parents' insurance and not being able to like have access to the pill um, because of that. Um, and there, there are many more reasons like the overall cost. Um, so widespread access to contraception is, is another goal for me. I really like that because there's a part of social justice in there as well. Um, the legacy that you're trying to leave beyond the actual physical product itself. And yeah. so do you think that moving forwards, once this is created, that you will continue to be a hormonal advocate? Or do you think that something else will catch your attention and there will be a new business and a new thing to create? Because you've had two so far, two inventions so far. I would say that this is something I can see myself doing for a very long time. Um, I can't really imagine. I think with with my high school project and, and the oil spill thing, it was definitely something I was very curious about and that led to, to a really cool project. And I'm really grateful for that because it's what like allowed me to discover that I have like a talent in, in STEM. Um, but I got really tired of being called oil spill girl. And I, I, I never like actually felt like it was my true passion. And with this, um, I just can't stop thinking about like women's health and hormones. And so I think that I've definitely found like my niche. Cool, that's really, really great to hear. And if you were, just out of interest, if you were to go back in time and whisper in your ear at the very start of this project on the non-hormonal birth control pill, what would you go back, what piece of advice would you go back and give yourself? Um, I say the same thing every time they ask this question, but I would definitely tell myself to follow my instincts when it comes to who in particular I trust. Mm. Um, 
in regards to like my strategy and who I'm getting advice from, um, I would definitely say that, yeah, if I could go back, I would tell myself not to just talk to anyone. Um, and if something feels off about a conversation to like trust my instinct. Mm, I love that. I, re I really like that. I think it's an important part of how we make decisions as well to trust our body, trust our instincts, trust the guts, as well as all the logical stuff as well. Um, so that's really great. So if that's your advice to you going back in time, how about for those um, girls coming up thinking about STEM, maybe they've seen something happen in the world that they're passionate about. Um, what's your advice to new women coming through? Yeah, obviously the advice to myself is is a little intense and not necessarily what I would give to young women just starting out. I would say to do the exact opposite. If you are interested in STEM at all, or even if you're just a curious person, um, you have your entire life ahead of you and it is so exciting and you should scream it from the rooftops. Tell everybody that you are interested in STEM and what some of your ideas are and try to find a really good mentor to help you out. Um, when you're younger, that could be like a, a teacher in your school um, or even like family, friends, just really anybody. Um, just tell everyone. <laughs> tell them all. But also you mentioned there about actually talking through with people, your thought processes or your um, ideas about science, because it is very much um, the space of exploration. Remember scientists, it's not, you have to wrote, learn the whole of this textbook and suddenly, yeah, you know, you know everything there is to know and you can implement that in a workplace. This is, it is about exploration and thinking. So I really like the advice to actually talk through your ideas with other people. And I know that you're doing a partnership with Olay in this space as well. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit more about what that is? Um, yeah, so Olay is obviously an incredible brand in itself. Um, I grew up with Olay products in the house because my mom and grandma used them. And so when I was reached out to by Olay about like a potential partnership in STEM, I was so excited because like, it's, it's always really exciting when you get to work with a brand that like, that like you grew up seeing and like using. Um, but what really, what I really loved about them is that they have a really specific goal over the next 10 years to increase the overall, like uh, the, the amount of women in STEM. Um, and so it was the perfect fit for me because the goals really align there. I'm also really passionate about like mentorship and about encouraging young women to pursue their dreams. I love that your grandma, your mom and your grandma also <laughs> yeah. use all their products. I can remember my grandma having the Olay face cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely um, something in our history as well in our family. So what will you be doing with Olay specifically to with their campaigns? Um, so it's definitely a myriad of things, but I mainly just, they are allowing me to like amplify my platform. I already feel as though I have a voice um, trying to encourage women to pursue STEM. And so they're really just helping me um, amplify that. 
using their giant brand. Yeah, I mean, it's huge, isn't it? So yeah. um, what a platform to actually be on and stand yeah. on. Yeah, lovely. So you did mention that you are a whole person, not just your work. So tell me what you do outside of um, your work. So if you'd asked me this question maybe a couple of years ago, I would have had um, lots more answers that sound way more fun. But obviously, since the pandemic, um, a lot of things that we normally would have done um, to like decompress, we I, I've at least sort of fallen into a pattern of like trying to avoid other people in public as much as possible. Um, and so less like of workout classes and like going out with like to bars and restaurants with my friends and more of like, even if it's something like watching a TV show with my boyfriend or like calling my mom or going out for walks or, or working out, um, I still try to find ways to take my mind off of what I'm doing. Mm, sure. So it's almost like you've got the same set of values. You're just expressing them in a slightly different yeah. way due to the restrictions <laughs> that have been in place. Yeah. yeah. And we've all felt that, um, that drawing back into ourselves as well during that pandemic. Wonderful. So in my head now, I just have to get one thing clear about the hormonal pill because I've been thinking about it as we've been talking. So if we normally ovulate at day 12 to 14 and you're delaying it, but you also said that it gets delayed till 12 to 14, is that because the process that happens before it leads up to the ovulation and you're delaying that process? So just just bring me back to that point, just so I've got it clear in my head. <laughs> yeah, so technically, I'm trying to think of another way to explain it, but for the first month that you're on the pill, essentially you begin this process of the delayed ovulation. So by your second month on the pill, and I should also, I should have explained the entire structure. Um, it is a once weekly pill um, ah. because the half-life of this drug um, is actually much longer than that of the hormonal pill. Um, and so you start taking it for one month um, and by week two, as opposed to um, the first week on the hormonal pill, you will be pr like protected against pregnancy. And a lot of like the hormonal, like, reasons that you would have started the pill start to um, like become better. For example, like heavy periods, um, that will start to improve at, like starting at week two. Um, and essentially the thinking behind that is if you start this pill um, on the first day of your period, just like the hormonal pill actually, then by week two, it will have had a chance to delay like your ovulation, if that makes sense. So Absolutely. there isn't like an exact, maybe like time frame, like down to the day of mm -hmm. when that ovulation would be delayed until. Um, but we do know that it is at the week two point that you would be protected. Okay, perfect. So it's just delaying it to a point where the environment isn't right for the egg, essentially. Yeah. And fantastic that it is 
effective or more. Um, and I'm really interested to see what comes out of the clinical trials that you're doing yourself. It's great that you have the integrity to repeat them so that you have all the information, all the clarity there. So if that all goes well, when do you think that this could be a reality on the marketplace? Um, also, just to clarify, um, we have a third party doing the clinical trials, um, just because I obviously, I could have written them and I would have loved to do that, but there are <laughs> other people out there and organizations with much better skill sets um, for, for doing that. Um, and so, yeah, I would say, so we've been in trials now for around a year and a half. Um, we're in phase two and we have two to three more phases left depending on um, what the FDA is requiring. And so that could take anywhere from, at this rate, one and a half to three years. Yeah, so it's coming, it's coming soonish. <laughs> so that's good news and thank you for the clarification. Yeah, such a good thing to point out there as well that sometimes we're not always the best place people to do a piece of work and actually outsourcing to someone who does it day in, day out is, yeah. is the best way to go. And I suppose we can think about that in our own work as well, where in our own work, could we do more outsourcing to people who are already really great at doing that thing? Yeah. Think about it in my business finances. <laughs> the things that you don't really like know everything about, don't want to do, how can we best outsource? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of your own leadership going forwards, is there any particular area of your leadership that you'll be looking to enhance over the next three years as this comes to fruition? Um, there are lots of areas that I would like to improve on. Um, I think patience being the main one. Um, I think that when I want something or when I have like a vision or an idea, um, they tend to be really big. Um, like one of them, for example, when I was first starting the company was, I was already thinking about how like I wanted there to be like birth control vending machines places. And I was like thinking of like exactly what color they should be and, and all of this stuff. And I really had to like calm down and focus on the like goal at hand, which was at that point, I just needed to start spreading the word about like non-hormonal birth control pills like in general as a concept um and focusing less on things like what are going to happen like five years from that point um so yeah i would say definitely a big dreamer um and like vision visionary or whatever you call it um but need, definitely need to work on like patience and and focusing in on how to actually get there Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. And how do you have a way of capturing all the kind of the really big, sometimes crazy ideas? Do you keep them somewhere so that you don't forget yeah, them? So all? It, it makes me feel better to definitely like have them like recorded somewhere. I used to have um, this engineering notebook that I would take with me like everywhere and I wrote everything in it. And I would have all of these things like sometimes like sit down for hours one day because I had this idea 
but like one for example was like a drone security system and like i wrote out the entire like pseudocode for the algorithm pseudocode is like code that um like is written kind of like explained to you as opposed to the actual code so it just explains what it's doing um but yeah so i just spent three hours like writing th that entire thing out so i could get it out of my head um and now i have it forever so if i ever have the time to pursue a a drone security system i'll <laughs> everyone will know <laughs> hopefully you'll be able to find that notebook <laughs> so often in the work that i'm doing we use a system called talent dynamics profiling it's personality profiling in order to um, help people carve out a leadership pathway for themselves and what you were describing there sounded very much like what we call our creative profile that really innovative creative fast-paced energy great at getting stuff started not so great at completion of things <laughs> does that ring true for you um I would say that as far as like the completion of things, um, I definitely do really like to finish like whatever it is that I'm working on, um, even if the path to getting there is like sometimes a little cloudier than I would like for it to be. Um, but I would say, yeah, like it's definitely it's a much windier path <laughs> than I think anyone ever expects, right? Especially when you're trying to pursue something like really like huge mm -hmm. perfect so we've got this um visual leadership and you talked about working upon your patience um having all these ideas but not necessarily implementing every single part of it immediately <laughs> and is there anything else that you'll be working on personally um in your own growth in the next couple of years um yeah i mean i think that this the pandemic has really shifted my mindset in a lot of ways about I mean it's really given me a lot of time to focus on myself as well and to kind of like reflect inwards and I've started to care a lot more about like my personal and like mental health and some of the ways that I like treat myself now I look back and I think I can't believe I ever treated myself that way whether it be from like a mental perspective or just like what, like recently, I just stopped like eating sugar, like, or at least avoiding it as much as I oh, could. Oh, wow. And Have you like, been successful? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't like cut it cold turkey, but it, it started small with like, I cut the amount of sugar I put in my coffee and like in half. And then I stopped like drinking juice. And then like, I started feeling so much better. And I think back to when I would just eat like, like five chocolate bars in a night, which is crazy in itself, but I used to. Um, and there are just certain things that I can't believe like I did to myself. Yeah, I'm, re I'm resonating hard with what you're saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> Trying my very best to um, improve the chocolate intake. I did a seven day challenge, seven day sugar-free challenge, and I had failed by mid-afternoon on the first day and I think what I'm really taking from that conversation is you can't just go cold turkey sometimes sometimes you have to like start small and implement small changes so um I'm I'm doing that at the moment I'm moving from um 
I changed the type of thing that I eat for my lunch now. So I'm having salad with salmon and things like that and making warbles and all kinds of stuff. But a little bit at a time, shall we say. Exactly. And, yeah. I'm still 10%, you know, vodka and <laughs> whatever. 10% enjoyment as well. Yeah, good. Um, thank you so much for that. I have absolutely loved hearing about your journey to getting to this point in your life. I'm so impressed. You're 23, you're running a company and changing the face of women's health. And also um, for myself, and I've got a daughter, she's four years old, I think about the options that are going to be available to her in the future that are not going to mess her hormonal system up in the same way that it has done for me and many other women around the world. And also for myself, just thinking about the perimenopausal symptoms, trying not to worry about that too much. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, Definitely. What I'm also taking from that is that there also needs to be some more education around perimenopause symptoms and menopause as well. The whole shebang from start all the way through. So I can't wait to see you being the face of all of that conversation. And one day, you never know, there might be a vending machine. What was the color you were thinking? Um. Well, at the time it was purple, but we oh yeah, <laughs> Elsie's favorite color, pink purple. A pink purple vending machine with the non-hormonal birth control pill in that you can just tap it or get your phone on it. Out it comes, and it's as easy as that. Yeah, hopefully one day. <laughs> well, I will be watching and cheering you on from the sidelines and I hope that it all goes smoothly for you. And thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It was a really, really good conversation. Thank you for listening to Women in STEM Career and Confidence. To get further support in your journey, join me in Breakthrough Unleashed on Facebook.